Good morning, Carla. Hey, Ernie. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Sorry, I missed uh, the call. This is music help. Trying to find a room. No problem. Thanks for taking the time. Glad we could finally connect. Yeah. Yeah. You survived Halloween. All right. <laughs> All right. So we have a format we use for these passion chats. Uh, so the first set of questions are, where were you born? What did you study, and how did you end up here? Okay. Want me to just start answering? Where were you born? <laughs> I was born in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Ah. And I studied. Uh, let's see. I studied radio and television arts was the first area of study that I did and worked in radio and then I studied technical writing and got a technical writing certificate at San Jose State University and then I got an English degree from a, a university in Canada. Okay, so there's a backstory here I have not heard. Radio and television? <laughs> radio and television, yes. Yeah, okay, so, so what, were, what, was your, what were your childhood dreams that led you to this? So I always liked to write, and I was always fascinated with uh, news. I'm not sure why. I used to like reading the newspaper. I always remember uh, watching the news uh, in the evening with my parents. Maybe I got that from them. I'm not sure. Uh, so just news and sharing news uh, with other people. If I hear something, I want to tell people. Um, but my love of writing kind of led me away from the news part of radio and television and more into copywriting. So I actually wrote ads for uh, for radio, which was a whole bunch of fun because I, I also, um, as through childhood, just really creative. I always like to write stories and poems in my room. Uh, back when there weren't computers, so actually handwritten them on on paper <laughs> with pens and pencils. I still help, still have piles of them. Um, so just yeah, that was just a really interesting uh, field that I didn't know about as I was growing up. That you could be a copywriter and be really oh. creative in how you promoted businesses and products. So it was a lot of fun. But you decided not to go into like marketing or communications directly. No, uh, no, I didn't. I I found out about technical writing and that it actually paid pretty well. And I thought oh, <laughs> I could I could write and I could get paid better than radio. Radio is not a really uh, well-paying industry unless you're like, you know, these really well-known radio DJs in New York and LA and stuff like that. And so, yeah, so I was looking for something to make a better living and saw uh, technical writing and. Oh, well, it's not super creative, but it is creative in a lot of ways in terms of how you present yeah. the information and the ability to take the complex technical information of, say, um, you know, automation design software like I did in my first technical writing job and try and explain it so people would understand how to use it. Um, that was really creative, so I, I enjoyed that. So that's how I kind of made yeah, the transition. I guess the, thing is, the thing about technical writing is that the craft of it is definitely challenging and interesting and there's a lot of art to getting it right uh the impact right. on the end users is definitely important right this can really having dealt with enough bad technical writing it's like this can really change someone's life and change their day right having a really good piece of technical writing 
Uh, right. I guess the downside is you don't have the emotional oomph of, you know, fiction or even copywriting. Uh, no, exactly. Yeah, but the, so that was okay. I found, same emotional art. Yeah, I found other ways to be creative, too, because uh, after writing, you know, a lot of reference manuals and user guides and release notes and all that, I also um, started getting really interested in the error messages in our software, which can be uh, bad, badly creative. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> some of the messages were, you know, signal 66, and that's all it would say. And so uh, I got involved in, you know, user conferences for the software company I worked for, and we'd hear about this that, you know, great, the, the manuals are great, but could you like document the error messages and what they mean? And I'm like, why don't we just write better error messages in the first place? <laughs> um, so that that was a really interesting, uh, you know, kind of way that I branched out a bit as a technical writer too, is I, I ended up uh, working with a couple people within the company to create error message writing standards. So, you know, that software engineers don't learn how to write really good error messages in school. And so as writers, we can bring that, you know, to, to the engineers to say, okay, tell us more about how you create error messages and, and why they have to be so vague and if they need to be so vague and how can we make them better. And, uh, yeah, and worked with a lot of engineers to, to write better messages and our uh, customers really appreciated that so they didn't get stuck yeah. so often and didn't have to call support so often. Um, so, so that was another way, like, being creative and maybe a not-so-creative uh, field. Yeah. That's good. I've been dealing with work with a particular piece of software, and I got this message, an unexpected error has occurred. And it's like, yeah. can you be any more vague? <laughs> <Thank big?" you. laughs> yeah, well, if you didn't like, expect it, that kind of worries me. Row, and if it happens 50 times in a row, why don't you expect it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, should, you should know these things if you wrote the code. Yeah. Uh, that's probably, yeah. Anyway. Great. So, okay, that was pretty quick. Now, the second set of questions, what would you say is your passion and how did you find it? Hmm. What is my passion and how did I find it? So, I guess I already mentioned one of my passions is writing and mm -hmm. I just have always loved to write. And, and you know, as, as you've seen in my past that I've talked about, uh, I, I like to write just about anything, just any writing um, is something I'm really passionate about. I've written newsletters for schools and um, sororities and, you know, uh, articles. I've had letters to the editors publishing me through just anything I love to write. So I think, I think that is one of my passions. Um, and even now in, in, my, in my job here at Apple, um, although I don't do as much writing as I'm a manager now, um, I do some writing when I write devotionals for the Christian Fellowship. So I found a way now to bring writing into this job and to where I, you know, where God placed me here now, and uh, which I love. And I love uh, working with some of the other uh, folks here who write devotionals and editing and, you know, giving them feedback to make their devotionals better. So that's something I've been able to do here. So writing has, you know, kind of remained. It's like been an on and off and up and down um, throughout my life. But I, I always seem to come back to it in some way. Um, and then I think the other passion I have is um, is people, um, just helping people, connecting people. Um, you know, if I, I think of um, all the work that I've done, I've done a lot of volunteer work as well. Even from being a teenager, I volunteered in a hospital and uh, just visited with the patients on the geriatric ward, you know, a lot of them who 
um, didn't have family in the city that they were in and just visit with them and talk to them and keep them company and, you know, let them have someone to talk to and just hear about their life and how they got there and, you know, what they were going through and encouraging them. Um, and then I think of, you know, up until uh, now in my current job where I'm a manager and I don't look at it necessarily as, you know, the projects and, you know, obviously there's the work to, that needs to get done, but I also really focus on the people and how can I help them and look for even opportunities uh, for where they're, you know, they bring their life to work too. And people have a life outside of Apple, even though, the, you know, Silicon Valley and a lot of people have a lot of life, it seems, outside of their job. <laughs> Um, but they do. People have stuff going on. So just always um, looking for ways to really connect with people and have these relationships, relationships with people so that, you know, if they just need someone to talk to, that you know, I'm there and I'm available. So, you know, making sure that, you know, someone seems like they just need to talk about something and something's, you know, bothering them or maybe preventing them from being their best self at work and doing their best work because that happens. Uh, being that person that they can really talk to and talk through things and, um, you know, that's, that's a little different, I think, than some of the usual managers. So uh, that's, like, that's what I feel like is a really big passion to be able to help somebody uh, personally. I had somebody, for instance, who uh, was, was, you know, not, didn't seem like they were like fully engaged. Uh, and so uh, in talking to them, found out they were going through a divorce and they were just having a lot of, you know, they had just a lot of things they had to deal with. Uh, talking to lawyers and child custody and things like that. And, uh, and I encouraged them to take uh, sick days. I said, this, you're, you sound really stressed and I think this is like your mental health is being impacted here. You're not able to fully engage in your work. And, you know, I just encourage you to take a couple days, um, mental health days to go and deal with this and, you know, get through and process some of the stuff you're going through. And that person was just incredibly appreciative and hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just looking for things like that for ways to really help people um, in maybe not the typical manager way uh, that people do. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is actually what the best managers do, right? Is that, yeah, and there's an interesting paradox there, I think, right? The way that you get the best work out of people is not by focusing on getting work out of people. Mm -hmm. right? Exactly. It's really like what you're doing. It's when you focus on the people and helping them be their best selves. Yeah. Creating a context where they know that they're uh, set up to flourish. That's when right. people really go the extra mile. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I know I felt that way myself. I've had some really great managers as well who did the same for me. So, um, mm. you know, being the recipient of, you know, a, someone who cares, like just a manager that cares about you as a person um, <laughs> can make a really big difference, right? I mean, that's and that's just not super common here in Silicon Valley because I've definitely yeah. uh, experienced managers who weren't like that. And I know a lot of, you know, a lot of my friends who really struggle with that. Their managers just don't seem to uh, to care about them, which is, which is pretty sad. Yeah, and it's funny how the, uh, like, you know, the certain things are sexy and certain things are not. Uh, the good news mm -hmm. is that, like, team building and uh, healthy management is suddenly becoming trendy again, or at least talked about with all the work yeah. happening with Google and Project Aristotle. and I still remember one of the most impressive things I remember during my time at Apple was the launch of the retail stores. Because mm -hmm. everyone was convinced it was going to be a complete disaster that everybody else was <laughs> shutting down their retail stores. But Apple did a really methodical approach, and they said, okay, what makes for a great retail experience? And the, the number one thing was having great salespeople. Well, they have great salespeople. What's the key to having great salespeople? Low turnover. 
score, uh, you know, by, from the manager out by building a team of salespeople and managers, studying great managers and great customer service across hotels and restaurants and and you know, I'm sure they you know they have their issues in scaling, but I still know that today, like if I walk into any Apple store anywhere on the planet, the person greeting me is gonna be cheerful and confident and relaxed. And like having that level of emotional consistency is just mind boggling. Yeah. And it really does come down to creating that kind of managers, you know, much harder to uh Perversely, it's harder to invest in managers that same way in technology as it is in retail, but uh, maybe we're starting to see a shift. Yeah, and I, um, I was remembering, too, just hearing um, Ron Johnson, who used to run Apple Retail, spoke at, at a Transforming the Bay with Christ event recently, and he, he described kind of what his vision was for the retail stores and love was what – he thought of, uh, and he said, I, I believe it was love made visual, but that wasn't something he thought Steve would be cool with. <laughs> so he you know, <laughs> talked about enrich, enriching lives, right? So, yeah. Um, but that was really the underlying, uh, you know, it's love and caring is really what he was talking about, loving people and, and showing love and caring for people, um, at which he translated into enriched lives, which I believe is still how, how Angela talks about it today as well, is, is that's what they're mm-hmm. there to do. Yeah. So one of the reasons I want to have you on the, the podcast was to chat about, like, what do you think God's putting on your heart of what might be next with all the different threads he's been weaving in your life? Hmm. Wow. Um, <laughs> that's a big question. <laughs> well, I still, I still feel very much like my passions are something God wants me to, to continue uh, to focus on. And uh, I'm just not sure, you know, in what ways. Um, I still very much enjoy doing what I'm doing here at Apple. I have this um, amazing mix of, of being able to bring my faith into my job, uh, working, you know, with the Christian Fellowship here and just seeing what God's been doing with that over the years. And, and I've I really been sensing, especially seeing what's happening at the other tech companies around as well and some of the fellowship groups, uh, Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and um, more and more like Salesforce, Airbnb. Um, there's just they're, they're popping up everywhere. Where the places that they weren't are are now seeing uh, Christian groups forming through this kind of uh, network of people, uh, including you know people haven't heard about Pastor Roy Tinklenberg. I'm sure they will soon uh, because he he's been on uh, this this God-driven mission that he he has to uh, to help encourage and grow and build uh, these workplace fellowships where they don't exist and. And, and you know help connect uh, connect them and so just seeing that over the last few years as well um, you know the application fellowship has been here for quite a while um, but just seeing the growth and, and the uh, just the activity that's been happening and the conversations are changing um, here which just really excites me um, just hearing the conversations happening uh, between uh, some of the, the ACF members here around faith and work uh, and there's just really this trend of of that kind of conversation in the valley now, um, maybe because more and more tech companies have these have these groups now, and we're all talking to each other, and and so this has become uh, you know something that has been really interesting to me because when I first started at Apple, faith and faith and Apple were not two things that I put together, uh, but now it's very much uh, something I think about every day, 
uh, and you know, thinking of my gifts of writing and uh, especially this, this people side and helping people and caring about people, um, I just think there's such an opportunity here in Silicon Valley uh, to to just really show God's light to people at work. Um, so many people, you know, see their identity in their job, in their car, in their house, you know, and all these all these things. Um, and we don't have our identity in that. Our identity is in Christ. I, I'm a child of God first, and that's who I am every day uh, when I go into the office. And just the, the just to have that, and to think about that, and to you know have this uh, amazing uh, network of brothers and sisters in Christ that are now set, you know thinking about that and going, how can I show that? How can I you know in the words of Ron Johnson, if we're making love visual in in our offices, what does that look like? What does that mean? And to see people starting to do that, and, you know, everything from I've, I've heard of all kinds of things lately, like someone said, you know, I, you know, I have a swear jar. And so I, you know, if someone swears around me, they have to put 25 cents in that jar. And then we take that money at some point and we, you know, go out buy pizzas for the team or something like that. Um, they're changing the culture around them. They're, they're having an impact. Um, you know, there's people who just, they, they are very open with the fact that they are a Christian, which is a difficult thing to do here in Silicon Valley, um, because people do get ridiculed and teased and, you know, maybe, you know, uh, not talk to you. There's all kinds of reactions people have here. And, but the people are, I'm seeing people be more bold too about, you know, who they are. Um, that they, they will say, hey, I'm a Christian. Um, I go to church. <laughs> this is what I do. And I serve in my community. Um, and then seeing people not swearing around them and apologizing if they do. I mean, it's, it seems like a little thing, but to, to see that people are doing this now and they're having a, an impact on how people are, um, I think that's more powerful than people think. Um, so I'm just really excited, I guess, to see, um, you know, what else God is going to have me do here. And, and I'm just really listening every day for, you know, who am I here for today? What am I here to do for you, God, today? Um, and just being really open and available. So I have my job and things that I need to do on my to-do list, but I also feel like I, I'm trying to just be more open to what God wants me to do and who he wants me to help or talk to or you know, just be available for on a daily basis. Cool. That is fascinating. So the, uh, a couple things really struck me. One is this idea of faith at work, right? Both in the mm-hmm. sense of, yes, we have our faith when we go to work, but that a faith is not this, private thing that is sort of like an intellectual abstraction, but it's a thing that works. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's actually seeing how our faith actually works out in day-to-day life, in our relationships, in our careers, in our communities, and things like that. Uh, yeah. One thing that, the other thing that really struck me that you said was people are having a different kind of conversation. And could you elaborate on a bit? Because I think there's like, there's a there there that I want to try and understand better. Yeah, well, I, I think people, at least what I've heard the conversation, you hear it, I think you hear it in church, too, where pastors will say, hey, do your, you know, be the best worker. That's how you show people that you're, you're a Christian, because you're the best work for, worker, you're the most helpful worker, and that's part of it. But I think there's also this people side of it, right, that that people aren't getting, especially here in Silicon Valley, where, I mean, and with technology and people are tweet, you know, tweeting and they're texting and they're, they're doing all these like less personal things uh, in terms of the way they communicate. And so there's, there's a lot of conversation around, you know, just, just being present for people and caring about people and what, 
what loving people is. And yes, you want to do your best work um, and you want to, you know, be the best that you can be in your job and what you've been tasked to do. And that definitely shines the light on God. But I think the other side is that is that people side of it, um, just because, especially in this area, that's just so lacking. Um, people just really need people that care about them. And, uh, and, you know, we're not here to, you know, hand them a Bible when they're going through something bad. We're here to say, hey, what can I do to help you? Or do you just need someone to talk to? Or, you know, can I babysit your kids for you so you can, you know, go take two hours for yourself because you just don't have any time and you're a single parent. I mean, there's, I think there's just so many opportunities people are starting to see that, that, you know, it's not, it's, it's not about like God, God's the one who's going to change the people's hearts, but we have to show that love and show that caring that comes from God through us. Um, and if we can be that to people and they see that, uh, and we're not judging them, we're loving them. Um, I think that's just uh, so powerful. And that's the kind of conversations that, that I'm hearing uh, around me as people uh, that are, you know, Christians in the workplace these days. It's not just about, you know, do my best work and that will, that will show, uh, you know, that I'm, I'm a good, <laughs> I'm a good person. I'm a, I'm a good Christian. Um, it's, it's really um, doing, doing more for people around you. Mm. That's the other thing I'm taking away from this conversation, which sounds kind of obvious, but ultimately our identity comes from our relationships. And mm-hmm. as Christians, our relationship with God is obviously primary, but even if you're not a Christian, the relationships you have, whether that's with your manager, whether it's with a spouse, whether that's with parents or children or or roommates or whatever, like those really define, or, and your coworkers and, and your environment, but it's the relationships at work that actually matter even more than the work itself. Right. Yes. And I think people forget that. They, they, they get, you know, focused on, and I, the Christian, Christians are like this too. You can get consumed with your work. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's something that I know a lot of people talk about here. And, uh, and I know uh, at other companies as well, that's, that's why people have struggled with this faith at work. Cause they, they, they're like, no, but I have to do all my job and I have to do it really well. And they get so focused on that that they don't see the other opportunities that, that God's putting in front of them, uh, which is which is really too bad because, yes, it is about the relationships and, and kind of related to that, too. I think we have this amazing opportunity here to the culture here is so much about work, 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 work. And that's what, you know, I'm so busy and the commute is awful and how much time people spend in traffic. And, you know, to be examples of uh, be examples of, of better fathers and mothers and, um, and spouses and um, daughters, um, sons, like all these relationships we have outside of work to be able to, um, you know, to be able to show that we are different in that way too. Like, you know, uh, leaving the office at a reasonable time and going home and spending time with your family. Maybe you get online later and do work because you do have some more to do. Um, going to your kid's Thanksgiving party at school and, and volunteering with that and taking that time out and, or, you know, working your schedule around that as much as possible. I think those are opportunities, too, where you can really um, make a difference in how people are seeing what their life could be like. Because a lot of people, I think, feel really, really stuck and caught in the, the hamster wheel, <laughs> for lack of a better way to describe yeah. it, and feel like they can't get off. But they can, um, and so I, I know I've encouraged a lot of people lately. You know, people are saying, "Oh, well, I just I can't leave." You know, people not not at Apple, but some people that that work at other companies too. They're like, "I can't leave," and I can't, you know, I can't. I have to stay till six. And like, do you? 
you know, I'll ask them, do you have to stay till six? Um, you know, yeah. really, like, you can set your boundaries. You can say, you can put a stake in the ground and say, no, you know what? My kids are more important. My spouse is more important than my job. Um, are you going to get laid off because you do that? You know, probably not. And, and you know, maybe it's people who have set the boundaries, who have made um, outside of work a priority and shown that, hey, I still have a job and I'm still doing fine. Um, you can, you know, maybe maybe not for everybody. I'm not telling everybody to, like, stop working. <laughs> but um, I think that encouraging people to, to look at the fact that they can change how life is for them. Um, that that's possible. Like, yeah, like Ron Johnson built Apple, like Ron Johnson built the Apple stores with, you know, he was at work nine to four. Right, right? exactly. And, you know, that's a yeah, and maybe you work at, you know, some late hours in the evening here and there to make up. But it's like, if you draw your boundaries right, then, mm-hmm. you know, you can still do extraordinary things because, you know, God knows that we waste enough time, you know, getting confused or misdirected or, you know, someone's having there's actually some research showing the shorter work days uh, actually force you to focus on what's most important rather than getting caught up in busy work. Yes. Yeah, I've definitely found that for myself, that the more that I focus on, you know, God's call on me as a mom and a spouse, and that that, I mean, it's just, there's this, what you hear about God, family members, and his order, and there's like debates yeah. over if it's an actual order, but, um, you know, I think about that every day, and I think about, okay, what's important, what do my kids need me for today, what does my husband need me for today, and how do I you know, what's the most important things I have to get done at work today? There's like no no wiggle room on these things. What are those things? And do those first. Um, and I think when you have your yeah. priorities straight outside of work, it, it definitely makes your focus better during the day. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I think it's fair to say also, I feel like you've gotten more recognition and success at work since you started uh, trying to be more uh, God-centered in the way you approach it. Well, even if it's kind of less total time. Yeah, I haven't I haven't felt any um loss of anything, I guess is what I'll say. Um but mm-hmm. I also I also am really conscious of like I don't need the recognition. I'm not looking for promotion. I'm mm. I'm looking for reward in um you know, I had somebody who you wrote me a note thanking me for all their support this year. Um on just, you know, some of the interpersonal issues they were dealing with and how much they appreciated mm-hmm. the conversations and how it really alleviated a lot of stress they were feeling and how they looked at things differently now. And to me, that means more than, than anything else is seeing that I'm helping someone and changing how they feel while they're at work and changing how they're feeling outside of work. Um, that, you know, that, that to me, that's the reward and recognition there is is that, when someone says thank you, when someone says, you know, you really helped. Um, so to me, it's not about my, my position. It's not about the, you know, the money. Money's nice, but <laughs> I think that everybody would say that. Um, but, you know, even my manager not always um, recognizing my value from the people side in terms of our team, uh, that doesn't bother me because to me, I just always come back to, you know, my ultimate boss is God and, you know, if I'm if I'm checking in with God and God's like, good job. If I'm feeling like that piece that I'm doing the right thing, um, then I'm not, I'm not worried about other stuff. Yeah. I'm trying to grab some breakfast here before I... Yeah. So, you know, this has been really actually very inspiring. It's, um, 
we've had lots of different podcasts, but this is sort of closer to home in a lot of ways because this is the life, you know, I, I'm living too. And <laughs> yeah. one thing that, you know, and uh, it is really helping me rethink and refocus my own priorities. One of the questions that uh, I guess haunts me a bit is, like, you've been experiencing this new life, this new way of experiencing God at work, and you're we're creating these pockets of it at Apple and having, you know, like, but it's, it's one, it's, it feels very fragmented, right? We have these little pockets where we're experiencing this, and, you know, connect the fellowships together, but it's kind of a, 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 uh, a thin, a thin thread. Yeah. Is there something we could do, you know, maybe not, but just to brainstorm to help. Roy had the retreat uh, last month. Yeah. Uh, if you were part of that. I heard some good things about it. I it did feels too. Like yeah, I was able to go. But it feels like there's um, someone using writing. <laughs> I like using the Apple Christmas special devotionals to create some sort of uh, news or forums or discussion groups or whatever to try and really create a place where people are sharing best practices, sharing their struggles, you know, yeah. and kind of building out this vision. And, you know, I'm, as you can I think of passion groups, the passion talks, family, and trying to figure out like, what is the thing, what is, if we could kind of figure out, what is the simple thing that would really start to turn like all these aggregates of different fellowships and teams and whatever into something more like a movement or a community. That makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, I don't know. I I I guess I'm <clears throat> I've been thinking about that as well because it's been um, it, it felt kind of slow, I guess, the way that, that everybody's connected and more groups forming. Um, but I also think that it, it is what God wants it to be. I guess that's what I kind of come back to is that, you know, there's been a, there's a Facebook group, for instance, for workplace, workplace fellowships that, um, that I helped create. And <clears throat> just not seeing, I mean, I would have thought that would have taken off, but it didn't. Um, and it even includes um, groups on the other side of the country, middle of the country. So there's like Coca-Cola, there's American Express, um, there's uh, Ford, there's Aetna. Um, there's a whole bunch of, you know, other companies outside of Silicon Valley that have um, very strong, um, you know, Christian employee resource right. groups is the other official name uh, for them. And, you know, we're connected and there's um, there are monthly calls that happen. Uh, which are great and really encouraging for sharing best practices. Um, so I've, I've think, found those, I think, the most valuable. For some reason, the West Coast one that got started, um, it's just starting to kind of take off. So, uh, so I kind of look at it as like, just be patient <laughs> because I think okay, this is just something that is going to take a bit more time. And, you know, part of it is, I think we, we're kind of like churches in a way and that we're, very focused inwardly. Like I am, my one of my priorities obviously is the Christian Fellowship here. And as much right. as I'd love to help everybody else and connect with everybody else all the time, we have finite time. And so, 
it becomes a matter of priority. So I think it's just maybe some intentional connection on a fairly frequent basis, but not like a weekly, daily thing. I think we just have to find ways and prioritize, okay, we need to get together as these collection of, of groups that are working in these workplaces. Um, like this retreat, I think that was a great idea. Um, you know, if there was something mm-hmm. quarterly that was planned and people could, you know, put it on their calendar well in advance and move their life and work mm-hmm. around it, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think that would be powerful to set aside that time and have it be outside of, a, uh, you know, a work day because um, we have other stuff that has to happen. So I think that's part of it is like we're also yeah. focused on our own our own organizations and our own um, priorities that it just gets um, it just gets hard to fit it in, especially if you throw in, you know, your marriage, your kids, your, your church, right. um, and what you do yeah. with your church, and maybe, you know, volunteering in the community. I think a lot of uh, a lot of the people in these groups are very much plugged in and, and have a lot going on, so it's just hard to fit in that one more thing. <clears throat> but Right, so I'm, so, I'm hearing, so I'm hearing two things, actually, that are actually useful insights. One is that it'd be nice if there was some organization, entity, whatever, for which this was their day job. Right, that a service yeah. organization yeah. who would help facilitate, coordinate, schedule and stuff. I mean, Roy's doing it kind of like, even on as, as sort of his night job in addition to planning a church and <laughs> other stuff yeah. too. Well, and, the, and and the last TBC thing, right? The that was focused on faith and work, and it was you know nine till noon, and it was just you just showed up, <laughs> and the conversations yeah. happened, and speakers were there, and. That was awesome. Like I just had to go. I didn't have to do anything more than what I would mm. do. Um, because yeah. I think you're listening and the people who are in these roles in these companies, we're already doing a lot and to add more doing to it. It's like if you want me to try and organize something outside of what I'm already doing, it's not gonna happen because I don't have any more balance. <laughs> but if somebody else right. were to organize, I could go. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the other thing then is, is having something which is really designed to bless the 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 leaders um you know there's this old joke about a pastor in a small western town and he was a you know really loving man you know there for the poor always you know doing stuff around the church uh always trying to you know improve the city or whatever but then he had this one quirk is that every day the 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 uh, steam train would pull into town uh, unload passengers pick up freight whatever and move on and the pastor would just stop and just watch it come into town sit there and move out of town and he would just do nothing but stare at it and finally one of the parishioners got up the nerve to ask the pastor like why do you do that he goes because it's the one thing in this town i never have to push (laughs) hilarious (laughs) (laughs) right and uh so creating a space and maybe that's the way framing is rather than as a thing for leaders to do it's a place for leaders to come and be yeah. cared for and heard and nurtured and encouraged and inspired. And, um, you know, that feels like, uh, which is a little different than having to put on a fellowship night or invite people to stuff and, and things like that. So anyway, well, like that's the, interesting. The, face, the Facebook group would be interesting if someone was, was like moderating it and maybe mm-hmm. every so often, I don't know what frequency, but say there's a certain frequency where they pose a question. You know, how do you yeah. look at this? Or do you have any stories to share about this? Or how do you handle yeah. this? Um, it's a closed group. People have to be, you know, added purposely. So there's there's right. some um, sense of confidentiality and we can have some open conversation right. there. Uh, 
but nobody has kind of taken that on probably because everybody's busy doing what they're doing in their in their organization at work um and it's not for the lack of wanting to do it right it's just a simple bandwidth problem yeah, so actually, um, actually, you should invite me to that group. I, think, I don't know if, I've, if you have yet or if I haven't, because uh, that might be some place to continue this conversation. Because yeah, I'm in a tiny startup now. We don't really have a we, – we started trying to have a little Christian fellowship with them, but the Christians I knew about both end up leaving the company, so, and we're kind of in transition in our locations and everything. So I don't have a lot of workplace ministry responsibilities at the moment, so it might be an interesting – opportunity and certainly just to see what's going on there so um yeah and then the other thing i think that so i think maybe we start with what's there right the the facebook group and then the other thing that i've learned uh, back in the early days of the internet is that physical communities form around transportation flows but virtual communities form around information flows right it's if you have a stream of information that people are connecting to blog posts radio whatever that helps people create that sense of community, even if it's a sort of, uh, I mean, I think you know this from radio and TV, there's a sort of asymmetric intimacy where the people at home feel really emotionally close to the people that they're experiencing on the radio or the TV. Right, um, yeah. And that creates a sense of a, I'm sure like when you write and, you know, of course you fellowship, right? we write these devotionals and we send them out into the ether. We have no idea who these people are, but they often feel this real strong emotional connection because they're being nurtured, right. they're fed, they're feeling that people get them. And, um, you know, maybe if we can figure out a way to um, uh, create some context there where people start posting things that really speak into that community, then that creates uh, some deeper connections and some momentum. Yeah, I'm actually part of a uh, another Facebook group that is not uh, focused on, you know, being Christian. It's, it's focused on running, and I've seen uh-huh. exactly what you've talked about happen in that group. So it might be, I mean, it might be interesting to uh, to kind of study some of these groups or talk to some of these these other groups and see what it is about them that creates that connection, even though you might never meet the people in person. So the, the group I'm part of is uh, it's called Moms Run This Town, MRTT, and they actually have chapters all over um, North America. And this mm. is the San Jose one that I'm part of, so SJMRTT. Mm-hmm. And again, it's also right. a closed group, so you have to, you know, either someone invites you to join or you find out about it and you, you ask, can I join? And they'll, they'll add you. And there's this accountability and this posting that happens. Like people go for a run and they post, you know, they post their Strava or they post their Nike Plus and they show, you know, their route and they show their pace. And, um, and then there's just this amazing encouragement and support for one another that happens um, people post mm. selfies too you know out on the trail or yeah. look at this funny sign or look at I, there's a deer over there you know it's like people are are like being vulnerable and open and sharing mm. their running experiences and and even their frustrations there's people who will post things like oh my goodness I haven't run for a month. I went out today. It felt great to get out there. I only did two miles. And then people are like, good for you. Awesome that you're back out there, right? And there's this like instant community around them, supporting them and encouraging them. And if somehow we could have that happen in, you know, in a Facebook community for uh, these workplace leaders, um, I think that could be pretty powerful. And I don't know if it's maybe running is different than, Workplace leaders and well, no, 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 I, I think that's, the nice, 
but the, the thing about this, right, because I was a runner for a while, and the nice thing about running is that there's, um, there's a shared experience that's intense, right? Running yeah. is always partly painful, partly joyful, sometimes more one than the other. And, the, and there's a nice clear uh, state when you're doing it. And there's, there's events, you know, there's big events like marathons and things like that. But then there's like the daily ritual of the run. And there is a, there's also some interesting metrics around it, right? Like, you know, uh, that you create that, uh, you know, when you're in your personal training and you can talk about, you know, I did this one mile, I did this two mile. There's a nice, uh, easy language for sure. It's kind of the way Christians uh, can share prayer requests. It's like the thing that's normal to do in your community that yeah. is an easy way to spark a conversation. Oh, I ran this trail. Um, and the, it's, and the wonderful thing I've seen about running is that it's very personal, like I am running this trail, but in some sense, it's not about you, right? right. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's about uh, the journey. It's about this, this larger thing that we're all a part of. And, and that's one of the, the, the challenges with, with, with prayer requests is it can get, it's very, it can be very personal, but also be very self-focused. And it's not necessarily a sense that you're pointing, feeling like you're being pointed towards something larger, uh, which is one of the things I love about entrepreneurship is that it's very personal. But like when I pray with entrepreneurs, you know, deeply, heart-wrenchingly personal, but it's not really about them. It's about this bigger thing they're trying to bring into the world. Right. And that creates, a, I think, a space where people can connect to each other in a, in a more expansive way as opposed yeah. to where we can become very um, inwardly focused, right? And having that bigger picture. So. Well, and I think yeah, I mean, and one I, of the things that is, that's also key, I think, is the, the people willing to be vulnerable and to just be who they are. And I think, mm-hmm. I actually think that's hard for a lot of Christians to share the struggles and the journey that they are on or have been on. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I don't know if that's a barrier, but um, that, I think that's something to to think about. This is oh, you know, no, it's a critical. I, I see it, it, in our it, devotional, it, right? What do you mean um, in our devotionals? What about it? So, so in our devotionals, I see that like the the more open and honest and raw and vulnerable people are, the willing the willingness to share. Hey, this is me, and this is what I I'm going through, and this is where I'm at, and here's what God's done in that yes um those are the those are the ones that are most impactful and we you know the most response from people but when it's a little more um oh yeah like this verse this verse is really like yeah exactly it's just it's not it's not that tangible like heart-to-heart connection you know, it's it's just a little more cool and a little more yeah no booky I don't know what the words are intellectual yeah yeah, but if you can, if you can have, it gets back to relationships again, right? You want to feel like you know you are getting to know that person, you are connecting with that person, and if we can have that amongst uh, the leaders, so that there can be more opportunity and people are willing to, you know, share their, you know, share who they are, share how things are going, and and you know, say, I need help, I don't know what to do with this, or like, here's what's really working, and yeah. here's our in God, you know, really coming coming through here um you know if people can just kind of let go a bit more and 
uh, be that more vulnerable because that's what le good leaders do too, right? Good leaders are vulnerable. Um, but it's yeah. hard for people. It's hard for people to do that. So well, you have to have um, deep, oh, deep security to be vulnerable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And uh, and you know, uh, Apple at its best did that in many ways. The one of the the, the phrases that keeps coming back to me is um, like when you talk about relational rather than sort of educational, and like 90% of the Bible is relational narratives, right? People doing yeah. stuff, screwing up, you know, occasionally getting it right. And, yeah. you know, uh, the, and, and like one thing I love about the Bible is you find out all the deepest shames and worst failures of the greatest men in history, <laughs> right? Is, you know, apart from maybe Joseph, like every leader has some major screw up that they document in horrifying detail. Yeah, <laughs> and that kind of vulnerability—I call it uh, biblical levels of redemptive transparency, or blort. Oh, and, wow. <laughs> and what's interesting is that there's there's actually a movement in the startup world. A guy Ben Horowitz wrote a book called "The Hard Thing About Hard Things," where he talks about founding Netscape, dying Netscape, founding and you know, companies being born and dying, struggling with his marriage, like all these things. And he says the hard thing about hard things is you can't teach these. Because no one really knows what to do when everything goes wrong. But you can share your stories of what happened so that other people can find hope and inspiration. And that's exactly what, you know, I think the body of Christ needs. And, you know, Sunday mornings are not designed for that. That's, you know, part of the, no. the challenge. And that tends to shape a lot of church or even people's concept of what it means to be a Christian, sadly. And I think that's where these worker place ministries uh, really have an opportunity because like our job is based on you know, how many widgets we produce or how many blog you know how many lines of code we write it's not based on people thinking that we're spiritual giants <laughs> right? right we're doing right. this ministry <laughs> thing and so you know you don't have the pressure the way like a pastor like you know i bet you know in our church we was like well you know you shouldn't post a picture of you having a glass of wine because that might offend some part of the congregation it's like you know, I understand that, but it, like, you know, it makes it really hard to be vulnerable and transparent when you're worried about what other people think of you because it could impact your job. Yeah, yeah. And so creating these contexts for safety. So anyway. Well, yeah, I, that's, like, that's exactly the challenge, right? I think pastors have a different challenge or people in ministry have a different challenge of, you know, people maybe judging what they're sharing. But, um, yeah, it's harder when, when it's tied to your livelihood and that, I mean, the reality is, um, that people do get discriminated against for their faith. It does happen. And um, yeah. I think that's a, a valid concern that people have, especially here in Silicon Valley, uh, and especially yeah. kind of the way the world, the, the country has been. I mean, it, it's, it's feeling a little less yeah. safe to put yourself out there as a Christian. Yeah. It's ironic, right? If you're a pastor, you get in trouble if think, people think you sin. As a person in the secular yeah. workplace, you get in trouble if people think you don't sin. Right. <laughs> yeah, never thought of it that way, but yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so anyway, it feels like there's a there there, and uh, it feels like God's moving on. It's great to connect with you. I'm actually having lunch with Ivan tomorrow, the other former co-chair oh, of awesome. Apple Christian Fellowship. So it's kind of a nostalgia week for me. Um, <laughs> so wait, last yeah. thing I want to do is 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 pray. I think. Um, I think pray into these things that are on your heart, that are on my heart as well. And I think it's a sign that it's on God's heart. There's really something interesting and new that I think God is doing. And um, anything else? Or should I just pray through what we discussed? 
I know. No, it was great, uh, great talking with you. Okay, let me just pray now. God, I just thank you for Kyla. Lord, I just thank you for how we met uh, through Ivan and the Application Fellowship and just the way that she has blossomed into such an amazing spiritual leader, uh, caring for so many, nurturing many, both as a manager and as a co-chair of the Christian Fellowship, uh, the way that she's impacting people through her writing, through her conversation, um, and just the heart she has for her church and her family. And Lord, I just thank you that you um, are pleased with her, that she is a faithful servant who is doing what you have called her to do and that she has her eyes fixed on you and she's not focused on worldly things, on uh, the traditional Silicon Valley metrics of success, but she's really trying to live a life that pleases you and that blesses people. Lord, that she is living a godly life, not a religious life. And sometimes we confuse those two. And Lord, I thank you that you are doing new things in Marketplace Ministries and through Roy and the Facebook group and all these other things. And Lord, I just pray that you would keep opening doors. Lord, it feels like there's some momentum building. Uh, you know, there's so much I want to see happen and so many things that other people want to see happen, but it's only going to happen in your time. And so I pray that we'd be faithful with the opportunities you give us. But Lord, I really pray for uh, just a chance to create safe spaces where people can uh, just feel like they belong, feel like they are connected, feel that they can be themselves, and where they have the courage to open up about their vulnerabilities uh, as Christians, as employees, as m members of a struggling family, uh, as we all are at various times, and that we would show people just how deep and transforming the love of Jesus is. Uh, by the way we treat them, by the hope that we have, by the peace and joy we have in the midst of the same insanity that claims uh, everyone here in Silicon Valley, it seems. Lord, that, that's the gospel. That's the light. That's the life. And I thank you for the stewardship that Kyla has in the Christian Fellowship at Apple and her influence with other fellowships around the area. And Lord, I pray that you would be opening doors for her to grow in her passion, to grow in her craft, to grow in her understanding of what you're calling her to do, and that you would just bless uh, her and I and Ivan and the others in this space, Lord, that we would maybe find ways to connect, work together. This is such an encouragement and inspiration to me, and I hope it continues to inspire and encourage others. And we just look forward to the new things that you're going to do um, in the next few months, the next years, and we just pray that nothing that you have purposed would be thwarted, that you provide spiritual covering, spiritual protection, spiritual warfare, so that we can really shine a light in the darkness and really bring hope to souls that are deeply, deeply hurting. And we pray that your word and your truth and your grace would triumph. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Bernie. You're welcome. Maybe we can even post this on the Facebook group to see what people thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> I sent you an invitation, so hopefully All right. you uh, great. I will uh get this uh, podcast up hopefully in the next few days and uh, we'll take it from there. Cool, sounds good. Oh so great to so, talk uh, to you, Kyla. Yeah, great to talk to you as well. And I'm sure we'll talk more over the, <laughs> over the coming months. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a review on iTunes. 